Well, hey, folks, and welcome back to the 747 Conversations podcast. It's your host, Chris Shambra, broadcasting live from finally fall and frisky, beautiful New York City. Today, we're talking about gratitude, empathy, leadership, and the people in our past that helped us get to where we are today. With us today is James Linhoff, the president and co-founder of WealthQuest, a, uh, a wonderful Financial Times 300 honored uh, top registered investment advisors in the country, a company that's been going 13 years strong, making a great impact across our, our wonderful country. James is uh, an author and host of the Rich Life podcast and author of Living a Rich Life, the No Regrets Guide to Building and Spending Wealth. James, you've done amazing work through the years, and it's an honor to have you on the podcast today. Oh, man, it's an honor to be here, Chris. Thanks for having me. I'm, uh, from the moment we started our, our conversation today, talking about gratitude, telling me your intention of, of bringing more generosity into your life, I know we're going to have one heck of a good conversation. And the simple question that I have to start us off with today is, if you could give credit or thanks to one person in your life that you don't give enough credit or thanks to, or just have never thought to give any credit or thanks to, whether it's someone you've never met before or someone you've known your entire life, who would that be? Hmm. <laughs> Man, there's so many, right? I mean, narrowing it down to one is the hard part. I think <clears throat> I would probably have to give uh, most thanks at this point uh, to my dad. So one of the things that I am eternally grateful for that my dad did for me very early on <clears throat> is he would bring me with him to do things for other people that I had no idea how to do. So from a young age, I remember one person down the street from us said that they, their hot water heater went out, their hot water heater. And he's like, come on, James, let's go put a new hot water heater in for our neighbor. And I'm like, I, I don't know how to do that. Do you know how to do that? He's like, nah, but we could probably figure it out. Let's go give it a try. And so we go over there and we're cutting pipes and we're pulling things out. We have no idea what we're doing, but we figured out how to do it. And that was his theme. Was, you, we could probably do this. We can probably help. We could probably make this work. And so there was always this assumption that I should try. And worst thing that happens is we fail. Uh, actually, no, the worst thing that happens is that we don't try, right? Failure is fine, but the worst thing that happens is we assume we can't and then we don't. And so all my life has been this repeated process of just trying and assuming I could probably do it. And the more I interact with people, the more I realize how rare that is. I think people start from assumption of I can't, and so they just never even try. Wow. I mean, you, you learned a pretty good life lesson at a, at a pretty young age. Yeah. You know, that, that interaction with your dad was, uh, were there a lot of those interactions like that through your childhood or, or was that like a one-off instance? Did he have, you know, what, what built that mindset, you know, for him? Was it his own failures? What is, was it his, his own successes? You know, what was he like before he had you? I think it's been uh, a lot of the, the, the value that is just deeply ingrained in our existence is we are built to lift the burdens of others. And I think that that has been an ongoing 
theme from a very young age, there was always, how can we help that family? How can we improve that situation? How can we make this better for them? And whenever people would face a circumstance that was too heavy for them to lift, the first thought that my dad always had was, we could probably help lift that thing. Let's go figure it out. So it was a constant thing. We were always doing, always, you know, looking for ways to, to help other people. In fact, to a point where now I struggle to sit still. So the downside of this is that, uh, you know, I always assume there's something I should be doing. <clears throat> there's somebody I should be helping. There's, there's some way that I should be impacting somebody else. And so if I'm sitting still, I'm worthless, right? I got to go and keep doing things. And so, you know, as, as valuable as it is, it also has ingrained in me this inability to just rest because I always feel like I should do something. Is your dad burdened with that same? Yes. Yeah. Yep. How does that show up for him? Uh, he still, he's retired. He's still very active, constantly looking for situations that he can come in and help. My sister, uh, you know, will have a issue or a plumbing issue or something that, and he can fix everything. And so he shows up and he's always working on something in the family or in neighbors or friends of the family. He's always running around and, you know, to some degree it keeps him active, gives him something to do. But, uh, man, when I watch him running around, I, I recognize in me that I have that same issue. Like I can't sit still. His, his, uh, his chapter that, that he, he's in now, how, how does, you know, what you guys connected on as a kid, how's that changed from now you're both in different chapters of your life? What do you guys connect over now? Uh, we connect over golf whenever we can. We really enjoy that. But I think um, the fun thing is uh, just shared stories. You know, uh, it's been really interesting to have all the things that I've been able to, to get connected to, all the organizations that I serve in, all of the ways that I've been helping to lead some of these movements towards generosity and, and teaching and speaking. Uh, on things like the book, um, I think that we connect a lot on the energy that that creates for us. Even though he's not there doing it with me, he loves to hear about it. You know, he loves to to know what's happening and where things are going. So, did he find this success in his life? Uh, was he ever too generous of a person? You seem to have balanced that quite well. You've actually created strategy, strategies to uh, kind of, uh, you know, have generosity affect you as well um, right. and impact your life. Did, was he on that, on that same train? He was. I think, you know, a lot of our uh, – I don't know if from a financial resources standpoint, he definitely uh, was successful in the end. But growing up – uh, he was working jobs that were not nearly as financially uh, viable as what he ultimately ended up landing in. And so his first probably, I would say, 10, 15 years of his career, I remember being very tight and struggling. So the, the way that he showed generosity was by doing things. Mm. You know, he didn't write very many checks. Um, you know, he and my mom were always kind of trying to figure out how they were going to make the budget work. But his way of giving away was to show up and help because he learned from his dad how to do everything, how to 
fix electrical and plumbing and, you know, car engines. I mean, whatever was going on, somebody was struggling. He would show up and figure out a way to make it work. And this was before YouTube. Like he, he couldn't just go watch a video, you know, on how to fix the plumbing. He just had to know how to do it. So pretty amazing. There, it sounds like there's a lot of different ways that people can show love. Um, you know, there's being of service. There's, as you mentioned, you know, writing checks. Uh, was he as loving to you as he was to others? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think he, he was a traveling salesman. So there's quite a bit of, uh, he was gone a lot. He had a lot of, uh, uh, time that he was, he would leave on a Monday and come back on a Thursday or whatever. And I put a lot of strain on my mom and, and me and my sister. But when he was there, he was very present and, you know, very engaged. Um, but also tired, you know, he, he worked really hard and traveled a lot. And so when he was home, uh, there was a lot of days where it was a beautiful day outside and he just needed a nap to catch up before he could engage with us. But then once he was there, he was in. So it was good. You know, it's, it's an interesting philosophy, this, you know, say yes and figure out how to do it. Yeah. You know, uh, along the way back in 2006 when you and your co-founder were thinking about holy moly what if we started a, a company together right right did, did your dad have any sage you know words of wisdom or uh, did he push you in one direction or pull you in a different direction uh, how did that look like uh, he was very positive very encouraging uh, the our business model is pretty unique in this industry, I would say we're one of very few firms that do what we do in terms of the kind of all inclusive work. Um, Cause we do our clients tax work. We do their estate work. We do all their investment management, their financial planning. It's all in one place. And so when we were kind of talking the business model, he was very excited because it, he thought, yeah, this is, this is a new idea. This isn't something that's already out there. And there was never really this, cause this isn't just, this isn't part of our DNA that it'd be like, hey, this could fail, right? It was always just, yeah, let's try it. This sounds awesome. Let's see what happens, right? So there was never f any fear that he would inject into the conversation. It was only excitement. Um, and I think that was such a gift, you know, because there were so many things I should have been afraid of. <laughs> so now looking back, things that should have probably convinced me not to do it. And uh, that was never really part of our discussions. It was very high energy, very hope, uh, hopeful and optimistic the whole time. Hmm. So. And what do you what do you think he's most proud of in the leader that you've become today? Oh man, gosh, I I think um, I would hope that uh, he's proud of the humility that I've carried through it. Um, I think in this day and age, there's a distinct lack of humility in leadership, uh, a lack of kind of intellectual honesty where people say, I, I, I don't think we've created a culture where we're okay with saying, I don't know. And I am, I'm very comfortable saying, I don't know. I don't have the answer to that, but let's try this. Let's see what happens. Right. So that doesn't have to mean inaction. Being honest about our limitations as humans is actually something that 
draws us closer to each other, creates mm. opportunity for deeper relationship. Um, and so I've found that that's something I hold very tightly to. I that, think you'd be proud of that. So you're saying that that humility of saying, being able to say that you don't know, and that that vulnerability to communicate it, you know, yep. to others is not necessarily a weakness, but it's a strength that helps us connect. How do you develop that mm. or look for that in the people yeah. that you surround yourselves with? Yeah, I think um, one of the biggest, I think, dead giveaways in our industry uh, of someone who is not going to connect well with clients when we're looking to hire people is overconfidence. Um, when you walk in now, th this is the hard balancing act. Clients want us to tell them what to do. They want us to tell them, take these steps, check these boxes, and you're going to be great. And you're going to be, all your dreams are going to work out. And we do, but we also have to walk in with a sense of humility to say, this is our best educated guess. Understand that there are so many things we will never be able to, to fully comprehend in this world. It's too complex. It's too confusing. And if people walk in with that sense of kind of arrogance to say, oh, no, this is easy. I got all of this. I can answer all these questions. There's nothing that's beyond me. Um, we don't want them on our team. Because the, the more honest we can be about the truth of our limitations, what happens, I th for years, I learned this the hard way. For years, I would protect my wife and my kids from hard, right? work is hard, things are difficult, I'd come home and Amy would ask, how was your day? And I'd say, fine. And the kids would ask, how was your day? And I'd say, fine. And in their mind, I'm setting up this persona of I'm solid, I'm, there's never anything wrong, I'm fine. And I thought I was protecting them. What I was really doing was preventing them from being in relationship with me. Hmm. Because they don't know how to relate to a human that's never afraid. They don't know how to relate to a human that doesn't feel what they're feeling as far as they, they feel like something's wrong with them. Like, man, James never is scared. He's never worried about anything. I am. So what's wrong with me? So they, there was a distance that was being created. But now by letting them in and being authentic and showing my limitations, they can actually meet me in that space in, a, in an authentic relationship and share that. And it's so much more beautiful. I don't know what I was mm. thinking for so many years. I did it, did it wrong. So, you know, it's interesting on your website and even, you know, in conversation today, you know, how proactive you are about, um, you know, being the one to help your clients overcome their anxieties yeah. and their worries that are preventing them from living their wildest dreams. That's Am right. I right? Absolutely. That's right. So my question is, who is that person in your life that's yeah. helping you overcome your fears and anxieties? What are those fears and anxieties and what, yeah. you know, wild dreams are you uh, about <laughs> to go fulfill? <laughs> I love that. Um, I have had the incredible privilege of um, having men in my life that were 15 years or more ahead of me that I would interact with through our church or through some other community, I would identify that they were living a life that I wanted to emulate something about the way that they did 
fatherhood or something about the way that they did marriage just stuck out to me. And I went to them and this is what I, I am a big fan of mentorship. I'm a big fan of relationship that crosses generations because I think we've convinced ourselves that those other generations are stupid or those other generations are lazy. And by definition, then we never get to glean any wisdom from each other, right? So I would go to them and one of the things I would encourage people if they're thinking about any mentorship is be specific. So uh, rather than coming up to somebody who's 15 years ahead of you and say, hey, will you mentor me? Uh, that's way too general and the person will immediately go, oh, I don't know what that looks like. But if you go mm. up to them and you say, I've noticed that you have a different kind of relationship with your wife than I have. Can we talk about that? Or I've noticed that the way that you father your children is in, encouraging them in ways that I don't know how to do or whatever it is. I've, I've observed this in you and it's a skill that I don't have and I want that skill. Nine times out of, well, a hundred times out of a hundred, really, those people say, oh yeah, I'd love to talk about that. I'd be happy to give you that specific guidance, mm. right? And so I just early on when I was in high school, sought out some of these older men in these different situations and asked them for that specific wisdom. And so right now I have uh, probably three of those guys that are in my life that a difference, one is kind of more in the spiritual kind of fatherhood realm. One is in the, here's how you be a good husband. One's in, you know, here's how you be a good business leader. And all of those people I'm interacting with on a regular basis, asking them specific questions. And it's changed the way I do life as a result. How do you free yourself up to be able to know specificity? Mm. Right? We yeah. all live in this uh, ambivalent fog yeah. where we can't connect you know, sure. words to words to feelings or thoughts. What kind of work do you do on yourself that allows you to do that? I think um, I try really hard to be observant of how people do relationship. I, I am a, I am a firm, firm believer that that is the only thing we have is relationship. That's all we were designed for. That's all we actually really experience in our life. Everything else is fluff, stuff, you know, things that don't really matter. And so when we are in a situation, whether it's a, you know, a larger community or even one-on-one -on -one with another family that we're doing life with, I just really try to watch how this person is interacting with their relationships and see if they do something that kind of blows my hair back a little bit, right? And if it's something that I really see as a lack in myself, it's really easy for me to say, whoa, that was cool. That was different. How do you do that? How do you foster that kind of relationship? So I just, it's, it's, an, it's easier to have a, a, an eye for observing one thing that's unique rather than trying to stay present to all the things. Mm -hmm. so if I narrow it down to, I want to be really good at relationship, all my relationships. So if I'm watching other people be in relationship and I see something that I don't have, I want to grow in that space. So, yeah. When all else fails, all, all we're left with is our word and our relationships. And so exactly I'm, right. I'm glad to hear that from you. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, your 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 dad was good at relationships. He was mm-hmm. good at investing in others and he was good at, you know, using generosity and giving as a tool to connect. If if your dad could teach a class mm. to your clients or to your team today, what would you come what would you have him come in and teach? Um, I think I don't I don't even know if he recognizes that this is what he taught me but one of the things that he definitely taught me is that failure is not the opposite of success it's the process that leads to success and i think uh the biggest win that i took away from our relationship is um just try and most people stop if they see an opportunity to help someone their first thought is yeah but that's not actually going to help or I don't really know if I'm going to be able to move the needle far enough to really make a difference. Or, you know, this cause that I really care about, you know, they're not fixing the problem. They're only making an impact on a few people here or there. And the more that you start to kind of focus on how this could ultimately be a failure, the less likely you are to do anything. And so I think his biggest, you know, uh, wisdom or the, the the largest gift that he could give if he were teaching a class is just this fearlessness, this sense that failure is something to be celebrated. It's mm. something to actually try and fail and laugh about how massively you botched it, but learn and grow and get better and try again. Right. And I think people stop before they even try and he would push them in that space for sure. And if he was sitting on this call with you today, Mm -hmm. what would you say to him? (laughs) Wow. I think I would say, um, uh, I I would say I'm, I'm so grateful for the model that he is still today. Uh, And I hope that I've emulated him in a way that honors him, that, uh, when people see in me something that they're really connected to, or they're really grateful for, or they, you know, I can trace a lot of that back to him. Hmm. And so it's just fun to see the, the impact that he's making, whether he knows it or not, uh, simply by modeling what it meant to be a good man and how to love people well. So, yeah. What's his name? Jim. Jim. <laughs> of course. For years and years, you know, <laughs> I was, everybody would call and ask for me as Jim. I was, you know, and they, my mom would always have to try to figure out which Jim were they asking for. So uh, I started going by James. So <laughs> I like it. Well, James, yeah. any, any last words in closing? I, I will say, I think the more and more that I continue to try to interact with people that are trying to influence the world. I'm so grateful for the work you're doing, Chris, right? If we can get people to connect in more community and have more Mm. valuable conversations, you know, the the thing that I am most passionate about is recognizing that money is emotional. It's not mathematical. Money is relational, right? It's really complicated. It's not just two plus two. The math is the easy part. It's all these other skills that we actually don't have very well. They're the ones that are that make money so daggone hard, and uh, and so a lot of it is rooted in 
having healthy relationships and being connected and being vulnerable and all the stuff you're talking about with people, the more they break open to that, ironically, the better their financial lives actually go. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not the math. It's everything else that makes mm-hmm. money hard. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm very passionate about the work that you're doing and the work that I am trying to do as well to try to get people to connect more to the emotion that they're feeling rather than just stuff it. Well, James, I, I couldn't have said it better myself and, and, and to all our listeners that are, uh, that have been tuning in, I, you know, I hope, uh, I hope you really listened to this one. Cause this one was, was very special, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the back of, you know, James's, uh, over James's shoulder is a sign that says today is a good day to have a good day. <laughs> and sometimes life is that simple. Yep. Right. James talks about having a yes attitude, figuring it out later, generosity and giving and, and investing in your relationships yep. is uh, where you will find joy in life. Um, don't worry about the money. The money will come. Focus in on your why. Focus in on your uh, impact on the world and uh, have it positively impact your heart and your soul and your, your spiritual connection to others and the money will follow. Um, James, it's been a true honor uh, to, to have you here. Um, please go check out his podcast, his book, his company. Those three links will be in the bio below. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends, especially the, the ones that, that need to know that vulnerability is not a weakness, as James explained, and that if you really want a, a happy, successful lives, uh, be willing to do anything for anybody else out there, no matter if you can do it or you think you can't do it. Um, if, you have, if you like this episode, please subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. I hope you all are having a phenomenal day on Earth. Remember, folks, it's your world. Go explore, and we'll see you next episode. <laughs>